0: Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, to you health renaissance people. Yes, today we're talking about mental illness. Now it's way beyond on what you could possibly imagine. That the population is getting sicker and dumber, and and it's tough because we're exposed to a number of different toxins that's causing the brain to not function correctly. So this episode, we're going to look at a lot of different challenging factors, because I mean, with the the shooting in Florida at the school, uh, originally all the pundits were out talking about gun control and this, and now there seems to be a discussion about maybe it's not just the guns. Maybe there's something wrong with the emotional state of our population. Well, we're going to look at, at some of the overlooked causes. Now, when you boil everything down, there's three stressors that a human being can go through, physical, chemical, and emotional. So let's look at the kids today. What, what type of physical stress are they exposed to? Well, in birth process, the mom probably was given pitocin. They may have chemical stressors of, you know, antibiotics, vaccines. They're even vaccinating pregnant people. And this is the tough part because a lot of these vaccines aren't even studied in pregnant animals. And we're seeing... A higher rate of maternity injury, and a higher rate of spontaneous abortions, and a greater rate of preterm infants being born. So there's there's a population with the birth and birth process. Uh, but let's look at all stressors: physical, chemical, and emotional. So we know if if we boil it down the body has the same response to all three of those. It's going to respond uh, in this automatic response. And there's two halves of this automatic nervous system. One's called the sympathetic nervous system, and that's the fight or flight. When this is activated, blood supply to the gut shuts down, heart rate elevates, immune system is suppressed, And physical, chemical, or emotional stress will, will activate the system. Now, under those stressors, the parasympathetic nervous system is going to be suppressed. And that means that digestion is going to be suppressed, slow motility, poor sleep problems, anxiety and stress. And when you look at what what the population is affected with, with physical, chemical, and emotional stress... It's actually weakening your body's immune system, and it's keeping you in a sympathetic dominant state. When we look at uh, journal articles that support this, I mean, they're talking about all chronic illness. It doesn't matter the etiology. It doesn't matter where it comes from. And they're talking about blood infections, trauma, major surgery, Uh, they're either caused or perhaps the consequences of profound alterations in the autonomic nervous system. So what kind of things, if we're looking at this, what kind of things can negatively affect the brain? And I just want to look at at, uh, neurotransmitters, gut function, Let's, let's look at real basics. We're going to look at basic medication, basic vaccines, basic toxic food, and environmental toxins. So <clears throat> what kind of drugs can suppress, uh, it can cause depression? Well, it's interesting because when you look at drugs that throw the body in a sympathetic uh, response, like think of this, you've got physical, chemical, emotional stress, Your blood pressure elevates. Blood supply to the gut shuts down. So we're talking digestive drugs, uh, high blood pressure medications. And the beta blockers, and this is one of the drugs that can cause depression. It's prescribed for high blood pressure, heart failure, angina, headaches, migraines. And these can cause depression. Calcium channel blockers, again, they're used for high blood pressure, congestive heart failure, chest pain abnormal heart rhythm. So when you look at these, the medications used to control the sympathetic response uh, can activate depression and anxiety, even uh, such as birth control pills, opioids. And this is typically used for moderate or severe pain. Cholesterol-lowering drugs can cause depression and anxiety. Now, they're originally prescribed for to prevent heart attacks, to lower cholesterol. Uh, when we look at acne drugs, drugs that th- they'll actually give an antibiotic for severe acne, and this can cause depression and anxiety. Anticonvulsants can cause it, eleptic, eleptic seizures, epileptic seizures, barbiturates. Barbiturates literally slow down brain function, and this is used to treat anxiety, epileptic seizures, and this can cause anxiety in benzodiazepam's. And this is again a central nervous system depression used for anxiety, insomnia, and to relax muscles. It's a trip because we've had patients, uh, this one patient, she's been taking um, muscle relaxants for chronic shoulder spasms after a trauma daily since she was 14. And she's in her early 20s now, and she's having severe negative effects from this. And it's just, just mind boggling. Uh, so, let's look at toxic food so those are short list of medications and it's interesting that those medications are generally prescribed for a person that's experiencing stress so let's look at mineral depletion well we know uh, our farmlands have been depleted since 1936 and it's interesting 1936 this is a quote from a state senate document quote our farm soils are severely depleted of minerals Laboratory tests prove that our fruits, vegetables, grains, eggs, milk, and meats of today are not what they were a few generations ago. Now, remember, this is 1936. No man can eat enough fruits and vegetables to supply a stomach with the mineral salts required for perfect health. Isn't that amazing? 1936. Now, pesticides. We know that, that pesticides can actually increase damage to the tissue. Uh, now, here's a journal article... Um quote, moreover, odds for illness increase as exposure to these brain insults rise. Those who were heavily exposed to pesticides had 41% increase in developing Parkinson's disease. So that's not kosher. Then we know we've got glyphosates everywhere, and this is a mineral chelator. It's the herbicide used in uh, Roundup. It's the number one chemical in America. It's now inundating our water system, and this is something that all of our kids are getting. They're drinking this stuff. If you're going up to a fountain and you're drinking the fluoridated, chlorinated water, it's going to have residue of glyphosate in it if you're in America. Or unless your school happens to be in, the, in the, the boondock somewhere and you're drinking fresh spring water. God, let me know. I'm going to go to that school. Okay, so uh, glyphosate, it's a mineral chelator. It's an herbicide. It's a patented antibiotic. Uh, so this is wiping out the gut flora. What happens in your gut flora? This is where serotonin, neurotransmitters are produced. Um, This is why glyphosate exposure is linked to depression, multiple sclerosis, Alzheimer's, DNA damage. Now, what happens if you go home and you get fluoridated water? Well, fluoridated water, I know it sounds crazy, but, but this is a very unique time we're living in. They're adding one of the most toxic substances around to our water system in hopes that when you drink, as the water passes by your teeth, that it's going to prevent dental cavities. Okay, you know, I mean, brushing would be a nice option. But when you talk about cooking with this stuff, bathing with this stuff, soaking it, you know, watering your plants with it, watering your vegetables with it, well, let's just look at aluminum. Because aluminum is also a pretty significant ingredient in the vaccines. Fluoridated water at one part per million, okay, when used in cooking aluminum, it concentrates the aluminum up to 660 parts per million. I, I mean, it's amazing. Now, aluminum is neurotoxic in abnormally high concentrations in the brain, Alzheimer's, and other neurologic uh, disease victims. Now, this is important because I want you to think about the aluminum because we're going to go over the structures of the brain, how, what, which structures are affected, and why. They did a study in Antigo, Wisconsin, and the water has been fluoridated there for 33 years. Okay? It showed that when it was cooked in aluminum cookware, it concentrated the aluminum by 833 times and increased the fluoride content, uh, doubling by over 100%. So it's completely crazy. Now, let's look at vaccines, and this is what, again, our kids are exposed to. We're just going to look at at one of the ingredients. We're not going to look at the 69 doses of 16 different vaccines. We're not going to look at how we've um, wiped out the liability, where the vaccine companies can't be sued, nor can the doctor be sued, or how they're forced if you want to have an education or employment. I mean, this is insane. Remember, forced medical procedure without consent. I don't know who is in favor of that, but they are obviously brain damaged. Okay, so now we look at this. Um, Let's look at vaccinations. And when you're talking about, uh, okay, medical journalist, Michael Colbert, uh, brilliant guy, he calls it negative cognitive dissonance. Uh, now, this is the inability or disinterest of processing new information, unexpected or unwanted information. And he puts it, in medical school, students are indoctrinated with the value of vaccines. By the time pediatricians, along with other physicians and surgeons, have finished their training, they become prisoners of the vaccine paradigm. Few, very few conventional doctors have been able to break out of this ideological. Prison. I mean, that th- when you say some words are powerful, that is ridiculously powerful because it's true. It's an ideologic prison. Now, we know if you look at the Journal of Autoimmunity, and this is going back to 2002, they found out that vaccines can cause chronic diseases such as diabetes. And now, with one in two American children having a chronic disease, you might want to think about that. Uh, when we look at vaccines, do uh, contain trace amounts of mercury, and in, in particularly the flu shots. Now, supposedly all the mercury was taken out of the shots uh, because they thought that it might be bad for the body. But no, it's still in the flu shots. So let's look at aluminum. Aluminum is a known neurotoxin. Now we know that there's a barrier between the blood and the brain. We know that there's a barrier there. Now this barrier, this blood-brain barrier, actually protects the brain because the brain has more connections than stars in the heavens. You're talking I think it's a thousand trillion connections. Now we know that if you ingest or if you eat aluminum, you know, and it could be mixed in with the soil or with your food, you absorb about two-tenths of a percent to one percent. If you inject it, you get about 100% of it. Now, fully vaccinated kids are getting over 6,000 micrograms of aluminum. Now, you have this barrier between the blood and the brain. It's called the blood-brain barrier because the brain functions at a very, very specific pH. And with all of these neuronal connections, you don't want brain uh, function to fluctuate with blood sugar. So you don't want to have the brain function poor or greater based on hunger or energy level or stress level. You want the brain to be pretty consistent. So there's a barrier between the blood and the brain. And it's not fully formed until you're about a teenager. Uh, So, you know, obviously, uh, you don't want to inject anything that can damage the brain, that can cross the blood-brain barrier, okay, before it's formed. I mean, we're just talking basic common sense here. And heavy metals, aluminum, even, you know, Tylenol can deplete glutathione, which protects the brain. But you got to minimize the toxins. Now, the adverse effect in aluminum. Now, aluminum is in virtually every vaccine because you need to have something that stimulates the immune system. So, if you inject aluminum in the body, the body is going to mount a defense to it. And then, if it's in the same, you know, material, has a measles virus or, you know, a mumps virus then your body may be able to build antibodies towards it, and that can be measured, and which is cool, because that means that it is having a response in your body. Here's the challenge. Could that immune system response to the pathogen have a problem with your overall immune system or brain function? Well, yes, it can. That's the bad part. And in fact... And aluminum can alter DNA. It has abnormal regulation of gene function. It can interfere with gene expression. So we're talking damage on the genetic level. It can uh, enhance cytotoxicity in the brain and increase brain inflammation. And that makes sense because we're seeing a lot of encephalitis or brain inflammation. Uh, It's interesting. I went on the archives of pediatric and adolescent medicine, uh, you know, I was looking at Google Scholar, and I typed in aluminum toxicity, and here it goes. They're talking. They're seeing a lot of aluminum toxicity as complications of hyperalumination in preterm infants. And it's been looking at aluminum toxicity in infants and encephalopathy in children secondary to aluminum toxicity from dialysis. It was an interesting article. It wasn't talking about vaccines. It was just talking how they have a rash of preterm infants. And if these kids don't have healthy... um, kidney function or renal function, that they're put on dialysis. And they're noticing that these kids are getting brain damage and swelling of the brain. And it turns out that the heparin that they used to thin the blood was contaminated with aluminum. But they're also finding out that if they were fed, uh, uh, say, formula, cow's milk-based formula, that that also had aluminum in it. So, it looks like if you eat or inject aluminum, it's not good for you. Then, so what part of the brain is negatively affected? Now, it's interesting because I was looking up another article, and I came across this. Estrogens attenuate and cortisone exacerbates excitotoxicity, oxidative injury, and amyloid B peptide toxicity in hippocampal neurons. Now, I I saw the title of this article, and it, it really excited me because I'm thinking, well, the hippocampus, okay, the hippocampus is like one of the most commonly injured areas in the brain, and you're seeing hippocampal damage has the very first sign of Parkinson's. It's also very small in people with anxiety and stress, okay, and schizophrenics. We're seeing an actual change in the structure of this, and So I'm reading this article, and it was really interesting that it turns out that estrogen protects cultured hippocampal neurons uh, against glutamate toxicity and glucose deprivation. What that means is that if you have high estrogen in the person that's being exposed to excitotoxins or, or poisons, that estrogen has a protective effect. And then this was amazing because looking at that research, it makes sense that autism is affecting like four times as many boys as girls. Why? Because estrogen has a protective effect. Now, they don't know why it protects. They just know that it protects. And here's their conclusion. We conclude that estrogens, progesterone, and corticosteroids can directly affect neuronal vulnerab- vulnerability to excitotoxic, metabolic, and oxidative insults, suggesting that there's a role for these steroids in several different neurodegenerative disorders. End of quote. So it makes sense. So what kind of things can leave the brain open to damage? Well, acetaminophen depletes glutathione. And so glutathione is a master antioxidant. It protects the brain. It's absolutely vital. So why would you inject somebody with a, an aluminum-containing vaccine, knowing that it can damage the brain, and then Tylenol is prescribed to decrease the fever and make the patient feel comfortable, even though it's damaging the brain? So I'm thinking, I've got to be the only one that came up with this, because why are doctors still doing it? So I get on Google Scholar, and I type in acetaminophen, depletes glutathione. Okay, now, knowing that glutathione protects the brain and is a master antioxidant, you if you're a, a thinking human being, you don't want this in there. And I type it up, and we're talking over a 1,000 hits. And sure enough, when you look at it, uh, it's crazy. It's crazy at what happens... Um, when you're taking Tylenol or acetaminophen or per, uh, paracetamol, which is what it's called in the rest of the world, how it damages the brain. It's, it's crazy. So if you have Tylenol in your house, for goodness sake, do not take it. Do not give it to a child uh, because this depletes glutathione and increases their risk of damage. So you might be wondering, why do they put aluminum inside of a vaccine if it's so toxic, and dangerous. All we got to do is understand that you have to put something in a vaccine to have the body mount defense or create an antibody response. Because without that response, you can't be sure that the um, vaccine is doing any good. So here, Lancet, 2004, quote, there's the title of the article adverse events after immunization with aluminum containing dpt vaccines a systematic review of the evidence end of end, end of title okay here you go you got you got to hear this assessment of safety of aluminum vaccines is important because replacement of aluminum compounds in currently licensed vaccine would necessitate the introduction of a completely new compound that would have to be investigated before licensing. No obvious candidates to replace aluminum are available, so withdrawal for safety reasons would severely affect the immunogenicity and protective effect of some currently licensed vaccines and threaten immunization programs worldwide. Despite a lack of good quality evidence, we do not recommend that any further research on this topic is undertaken. What? Okay, okay. Listen to this again. Despite a lack of good quality evidence, we do not recommend that any further research is done on this topic. What do you say to that? Is that based in science? Hell no. This is incredibly um, bad. I, I mean, you've got you've got the powers and authority knowing that this stuff is toxic, dangerous, and because chronic illness or disease. Uh, it was causing so much damage, they, they passed a law to limit liability of corporations, so you can't sue the manufacturers of this. Once that law was passed, it went from 23 to 33 to 48 to 54. Now we're at 69 doses of vaccines. Uh, it, it's, it's insane. And the population is getting sicker and sicker and sicker. One in two kids have a chronic illness or disease. By 2025, we're going to have one in two kids with autism. And But with the religious dogmatic fever, uh, it's not working. So let's look at the structures in the brain that it actually affects. Let's just look at the hippocampus. Now, the hippocampus is a structure on the floor of the ventricles. Now, the uh, It's interesting because here when we look at journal of behavioral pharmacology, quote, the available evidence suggests that the hippocampal play a role in the pathophysiology of depression and bipolar disorder. Now, it's interesting because contributing factors to the hippocampal uh, shrinking uh, decrease blood flow to the brain. So you're talking blood pressure drugs. Oh, that makes sense. Didn't we look at blood pressure drugs causing... um, a depression and anxiety. Absolutely. The accumulation of toxins in the environment. So vaccines can actually cause hippocampal. Now when you look at archives of general psychiatry, they were talking about hippocampal interneurons and bipolar disorder. Now this is involved depression, post-traumatic stress disorder, bipolar disorder. And sure enough, the available evidence suggests that the hippocampal role plays a pathophysiology and bipolar disorder. Now, we have to look at how this actually works. And, uh, okay, there was a, a brilliant article in 1999, uh, and they were focused in on the stress of the mother. And this is looking at rats. And what they found is that if you put a mom under stress, that you can actually have morphologic changes induced by the prenatal stress may contribute to behavioral changes in the offspring after birth. Now, this is just knowing that the mom can be under stress, and this can negatively affect how the kid responds to the environment. And, and it's weird how they were talking about... Um, These findings suggest that the duration-dependent effects of prenatal stress on development of the fetal hypothalamic paraventricular nuclear neurons. And let me read that in English. Stress negatively affects the hypothalamus. Stress negatively affects all the structures in the brain. But if you're stressing the mom out, you actually can permanently uh, affect the kid. So what do you do? What do you do? What's the solution? The solution is getting the body healthy. So you literally have to move well, eat well, and think well. Uh, You've got to detox the system. So ideally, it would be best if you weren't um, taking in heavy metal poisons or neurotoxicities. That would be ideally the best. If you've already been vaccinated, stop from now on. Strengthen your immune system. You have to look at this with common sense. If you have a 100 people walking through a swamp that's that's filled with malaria-containing mosquitoes, they all get bit. Not all of them are going to get malaria. Okay, you're talking a very small percentage. And so what protects the body? It is the immune system. So the best protection is a strong immune system, absolutely, and that's 100%. So you've got to get an organic plant-based diet. If you want to eat meat, great. Eat it once a week to once a month, but plants are the way to go. Healthy fats, such as coconut oil and olive oil, phenomenally important. Fermented veggies, you need to have that gut bacteria, particularly if your gut's been damaged. Probiotics, phenomenally important. Juice your vegetables. This way, pre-digest it and realize that you're in that stress state. So your body's going to have less stomach acid. So juicing the vegetables, blending the fruits. I mean, this is not just a little important, it's vital. And raw dairy is also going to be a benefit. Reduce your omega-6s and increase your omega-3s. It seems too simple, but when we put up the five keys to health, look at the proper nerve supply, look at the regular exercise, look at the proper nutrition, and the reason this is so vital, look at sufficient sleep, because if you're in a sympathetic dominant state, you're going to have very fitful sleep. You'll be moving around like crazy. And prayer and meditation, that centers it. The five keys to health, proper nerve supply, regular exercise, proper nutrition, sufficient rest, and prayer and meditation. That's it, man. You get that, and your body is healthy and adaptive, and you can adapt to this environment and thrive. Now, we have, uh, this whole month, we're doing a number of different podcasts and live webinars to, um, on ExtremeHealthAcademy.com. There's even a really cool challenge that we are just started, on ExtremeHealthChallenge.com, that's ExtremeHealthChallenge.com, it, check out that one. There's a couple of cool things on there, and one of them is an exercise to get you out of that sympathetic dominant state. It's a way to not de-stress your body, but understand that if your body's in physical, chemical, or emotional stress, how you de-stress that out, how you stimulate that parasympathetic It's almost too easy to think about, but you can reprogram your mind. You can walk barefoot every day in the grass or hard sand unless you're in a cold environment. And even then, walking, exercise, sleeping on a grounding mat. There's so many different things you can do to stimulate that parasympathetic. And then go to our our standard site, drjohnbergman.com. I mean, there's so much information out there Take charge of your health. Take charge of your life. Do not be a victim. I mean, if you've been diagnosed with depression, anxiety, get your nervous system checked. Take charge of your health. Don't just drug the symptoms. Find a good doctor that's willing to work with you to get your body healthy. This is Dr. John Bergman. God bless you, and I love you. But look in the mirror and smile because we can get your body healthy. We can get your brain healthy. I'm your biggest advocate and your biggest fan. I love you. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry.